Hello, this is Ayush from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, November 26th, and the Haryana police used water cannons and tear gas to disperse hundreds of farmers from Punjab determined to enter the state as part of their Delhi Chalo march against the center's contentious farm laws. They are marching towards the national capital in tractors, trolleys, and other vehicles and are expected to reach here today. Delhi police has strengthened its presence in border areas of the national capital in view of the protest march. At the Singhu border, the police stationed trucks filled with sand to stop movement of tractors driven by farmers. Punjab Chief Minister Amrinder Singh today lashed out at the BJP-led government in Haryana for stopping farmers from moving towards Delhi, saying the use of brute force against them is totally undemocratic and unconstitutional. Supporting the peaceful protest by farmers, Delhi Chief Minister Arun Kejriwal said the peaceful demonstration was a constitutional right of the farmers. As part of the nationwide call, the government employees of Haryana have also announced to go on strike today. According to the Indian Express, the Delhi police is arresting people from Gurudwaras in the city, claiming that they are protesters. Six of them were arrested from Majnu Katila last night. Protests also hit other parts of the country. Normal life came to a complete halt in Kerala, while it was partially affected in West Bengal, Tripura, Tamil Nadu and Odisha due to the 24-hour nationwide strike called by various trade unions in protest against the centre's economic policies and contentious farm laws. While intermittent clashes between left activists and the police were reported in several parts of Bengal, other states saw road blockades leading to disruption of vehicular movement. The Bund, called by 10 central trade unions, except the BJP-aligned Bharatiya Mazdoor Sangh, was near total in Kerala, with government offices, business establishments and banks remaining shut. The Indian Express reported that streets were also deserted as private buses, auto rickshaws and taxis did not ply. In the state capital of Thiruvananthapuram, where trade unions wield considerable influence, the bunds saw shops and businesses remaining closed and police vehicles ferried people to hospitals from railway stations and bus stands. In financial hub Kochi, metro services witnessed no interruptions even though the number of passengers dropped significantly. Besides the trade unions, some bank associations took part in the strike. While State Bank of India and private sector banks were functional across India, Operations in public sector banks, where participating unions have a stronghold, were impacted. At least three people have died due to Cyclone Nivar, which made landfall near Puducherry late last night. The severe cyclonic storm weakened into only a cyclonic storm today and lay centered over north coastal Tamil Nadu, about 85 kilometers north-northwest of Puducherry and 95 kilometers west-southwest of Chennai. The India Meteorological Department, or the IMD, said that the cyclone is predicted to move northwestwards and further weaken into a deep depression during the next six hours. In the subsequent six hours, it is likely to weaken into a depression. Parts of Puducherry and Tamil Nadu witnessed heavy rains through the night. The MET department had predicted more rainfall for the Union Territory and the state. Parts of Andhra Pradesh, Karnataka and Telangana too are likely to receive heavy rainfall. The Tamil Nadu government has declared a public holiday today with only essential services expected to remain operational. The Chennai airport resumed operations at 9am, while the metro was expected to start this afternoon. About 1.25 lakh people were evacuated to 1,500 relief camps in Chennai and southern districts last evening in anticipation of the storm. Hundreds of trees have been uprooted across the state, with the municipal corporations swinging into action to clear them from affected areas.
This week, my colleagues Akanksha and Nidhi reported on the severe shortcomings of the criminal justice system in the state of Uttar Pradesh. They tell the story of Papi Devi, who passed away soon after she gave birth to a baby girl earlier this year. The infant too did not survive. The family suspected foul play in their deaths and it took the local police four months to even file an FIR. What happened to the police investigation? Well, read the report for yourself and find out. It's titled, Two Deaths, No FIR, How UP's Criminal Justice System Failed Puppy Devi and Her Baby. If you like our ground reports from across the country, please do consider subscribing to News Laundry. You can do so by simply heading over to the website and clicking on the subscribe button on the top right-hand corner. Our cheapest subscription costs only 300 rupees a month. So please extend your support to independent media and pay to keep news free. Prime Minister Narendra Modi pitched for the One Nation, One Election idea once again today, saying it is not a matter of debate, but what the country needs. He also suggested that the Election Commission prepare a single voters list for Lok Sabha, Assembly and Panchayat polls, saying separate lists are a waste of resources. The PM said that elections in different places every few months has an effect on development work and that this issue needs to be studied. The Prime Minister's fresh pitch for simultaneous elections comes weeks after assembly polls in Bihar, which was the last one this year. Elections in Bengal and Tamil Nadu, crucial for the BJP, are due next year. Several earlier pitches for one nation, one election have fallen through after the opposition refused to back the idea, contending that it was anti-democratic, against the constitution and impractical. The CPM has alleged that the government is trying to replace parliamentary democracy by slipping in a presidential form of government through the back door, creating a consensus on the issues important for the government since implementing the one nation, one election idea requires an amendment to the constitution. But a constitutional amendment, however, cannot be done without a two-thirds majority in both houses of parliament, which the government does not have at the moment. Thailand's Siam Commercial Bank, or the SCB, became the focus of protesters' anger after authorities blocked access to the Crown Property Bureau using barbed wire and shipping containers. Thousands called on King Mahavajira Long Kong, who spends a lot of time in Germany, to give up his royal fortune, including his 23% stake in the SCB. Estimated at $2.3 billion, it is part of a royal family fortune reckoned at $30 billion, although total holdings are not publicly known. Activist Anand Nampa said demonstrators wanted to reclaim these assets to belong to the people again under the name of the monarchy, the state and the country. After ascending the throne after his father's death in 2016, the king transferred royal assets traditionally managed by the Crown Property Bureau to his personal control. Protesters claim that when millions of families are struggling, how can taxpayers' money go to just one family to spend luxuriously? Earlier this week, 12 protest leaders faced court summons under laws against defaming the monarchy. The use of the controversial law was defended by government spokeswoman, despite a recent claim by the Prime Minister that the King had asked for restraint. Last week, a protest rally outside the Parliament turned violent as police fired water cannon and tear gas. At least 55 people were hurt. AstraZeneca and Oxford University have acknowledged a manufacturing error that is raising questions about preliminary results of their experimental COVID-19 vaccine. A statement describing the error yesterday came days after the company and the university described the shots as highly effective and made no mention of why some study participants did not receive as much vaccine in the first of the two shots as expected. In a surprise, 
the group of volunteers that got a lower dose seemed to be much better protected than the volunteers who got two full doses. In the lower dose group, AstraZeneca said that the vaccine appeared to be 90% effective. In the group that got two full doses, the vaccine appeared to be 62% effective. Combined, the drug makers said that the vaccine appeared to be 70% effective. But the way in which the results were arrived at and reported by the companies has led to pointed questions from experts. The partial results announced on November 23rd are from large ongoing studies in UK and Brazil designed to determine the optimal dose of vaccine as well as examine safety and effectiveness. Multiple combinations and doses were tried on the volunteers. They were compared to others who were given a meningitis vaccine or a saline shot. Back to the homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. Last week on NL Hafta, Newslaundry's Abhinandan Sekri, Raman Kripal and Mehraj Lohan were joined by Smita Prakash, Editor-in-Chief of ANI, and Chitra Subramaniam, journalist and co-founder of the News Minute. The panel discussed recent developments on COVID vaccine and the current state of the media. During the discussion, Abhinandan brought up the divide in the media at the moment. Smita agreed and said that the division exists because some celebrity journalists are beyond learning lessons. Here's a snippet from the episode. You know, the thing is that, like, for example, I think what happened with Arnab was clearly overreach of law. I don't think anyone who believes in the fair, uh, you know, use of law can say that, yes, he should have been locked up and not been given uh, bail. But because our media is so divided, I, I know many journalists who otherwise are nice, reasonable people, but they were happy that he should not be given bail or that's what they were hoping. I have seen Arnab celebrate people being locked up for frivolous charges and him shouting, I don't care about the law, who gives a damn about legal processes, except when it happens to him. Has this, you think this would have taught him a lesson or others a lesson, or you think people are beyond learning lessons? Yeah, you know, I think uh, celebrity journalists are beyond learning lessons. Uh, I think that uh, there comes a time where uh, I don't think these things affect them that usko hua to mujhe bhi ho sakta hai. That doesn't happen. Uh, I think what happened was that uh, with Arnab's case, it came into light. You know, the whole thing came into limelight because he's such a big name. Uh, and he evokes extreme sentiments, whether it is positive or negative. And he takes on, uh, he takes on his opponents. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.